Good evening, everybody. This is Michael B. Thanks for joining us tonight on Drinking Bourbon and Talking Football. Tonight, we're going to lead things off with a nice Woodford Reserve barrel finish, double oak, nice and neat, just the way I like it. So, we've got a special guest with us tonight, Drew Band, at Drew Band from Twitter. And he's also uh, got his own podcast, that would be Zone 32 Podcast. And we're glad to have him tonight. He's uh, he's a big Ravens fan, and uh, we're going to talk some Ravens football tonight. So, Drew, thanks for being with us. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. And I got four rows of single barrel myself, so uh, <laughs> ready to go for tonight. There you go, man. It's all it's in my rotation. <laughs> Stores out of Wild Turkey 101, which is my uh, typical go-to. But um, yeah, I remember the other night we was talking on there, and somebody said they couldn't do the Wild Turkey, but I was like, oh man. Uh, I drink that shit like water at this point. Yeah, so. yeah, especially the 101. So, yeah. yeah. I've been begging them to sponsor me for uh, <laughs> quite some time. Has not, I have not gotten their attention yet. but uh, uh, Well, I'll try to put in a good word for you, man. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, all right, so we're going to jump right in here. And, you know, I guess the topic, you know, most Ravens fans are talking about, you know, uh, on Twitter and, and really everywhere is, is this Lamar Jackson contract? You know, what's going on with it? What's the truth behind it? What was really offered? What is Lamar really asking? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, when it gets down to it, nobody really knows the truth behind it except the Ravens and Lamar. Uh, I do believe that the NFLPA has leaked out some some numbers and some other things that, that they probably shouldn't have, but that's what they do. So, uh, you know, I know you have some sources, so I'm just going to let you tell us what you know to be, um, to be yeah. accurate, as, yeah, yeah, accurate as, according to the sources. And, yeah, as, uh, as close yeah. to accurate as possible. Right. I and, and, you know, and I won't ask you to reveal your sources. I'll never do that. So, but yeah, I know you've heard some things. You, you've mentioned some of them to me. And I'm just going to ask you to share with everybody else, you know, some of the things that you might have heard. Yeah, so actually, I don't know if you listened to the uh, EDC press conference today. I was not aware of that. Um, I don't know if you want to call it like a backroom deal that he made with Lamar to not talk about his, um, you know, their contract negotiations in terms of, you know, specific numbers out loud. Right. It, it makes sense that the only thing that we've heard is that, uh, you know, leaked to Chris Mortensen from the players union that happened. Mm -hmm. Gee, I don't know. I think that was like week one that that came out. So from my understanding, Lamar got offered a contract that was six years, $275 million in total. So it was a five-year extension, $250 million, and then the one-year, $25 million, fifth-year option. Um, that $133 million guaranteed at signing is the same thing that I heard, but that the total guarantees in the contract were closer to $200 million. And I think that the sticking point was, you know, again, NFL contracts are kind of convoluted and, you know, what's like a reasonable guarantee versus a long-shot guarantee. You know, where the extra $70 million in guarantees there, were they all crazy ones like you had to win a Super Bowl and MVP? Or was it simply, you know, being on the roster and has the vest? I have no idea. But my guess is that that's kind of where they got lost in the sauce at the end of last year. And that's why, uh, you know, they missed that week one deadline for this year. I, I Listening to EDC today, I think that they're closer than the media makes it out to be. Um, it definitely seems like EDC is still interested in keeping Lamar, and I think Lamar is still interested in being back in Baltimore. Uh, again, like I've never really gotten the vibe from him. And you're you're a Louisville guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, yeah, I've been so watching him for a long time. 
And I've never heard anything but, you know, good things about Lamar and, you know, how he's, you know, always loyal. Um, It's definitely one of the things that I've always heard about him, kind of read about him, always sticks up for his guys. I think if Lamar had a problem in Baltimore, we'd know it by now. Mm -hmm. Like that he didn't want to be here. So I I think that, I think he kind of works at a different pace than everybody else too. Again, the lack of a traditional agent is the uh, big, big sticking point on the internet, but the reality is, is an agent's not going to get this deal done if he wants something that's fully guaranteed and the Ravens aren't offering it. Like, no agent is going to step in and make that happen. I have no idea if that's what he actually wants or not either. But. Right, yeah, and, and that's the thing that, you know, concerns me the most is with, with all these rumors coming out from whether it be Ian, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or, or you know, Ed Werder or, you know, Mortensen or whoever, you know, they're all saying something similar but different, and they're all saying he wants fully guaranteed. Well... I don't know that to be true, and I don't believe that to be true. I think he wants a lot of guaranteed money and probably more than, you know, Deshaun Watson got, and definitely more than Kyler Murray got. But I don't yeah, think he and wants... And he deserves more. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's the thing, too, is that, you know, it, it, people talk... They, I, the thing that bothers me with the way ESPN has framed some of these reports is that they're trying to make Lamar look, you know, unreasonable and greedy. Right. And he's looking for fully guaranteed money. But you have a guy like Watson who's coming off of not playing football for a whole year. The Browns had to give up three first-round picks and, you know, a couple seconds and I think a couple fourths, too. And then they gave him a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And he had, what was it, like 26 pending sexual assault cases. Right. So, I mean, yeah. if, if that's if that's the going rate for him or you have Kyler Murray who you had to write into the contract yeah. that he's got to go to film study and not play video games during the week. Yeah, that's with an $200 million. Yeah, and that's with an agent, both of them. But they're getting, you know, $230, $200 million guaranteed. Like, Lamar's really not that crazy for asking for $250 million guaranteed. And I understand the Ravens side, too, that, you know, you want some cap flexibility. Right, right. Like, you know, it's... Well, you know how they do the contracts. You can front load a lot of that. You can, you you know, make it a signing bonus or, you know, a roster bonus or whatever you want to do that, you know, helps in the cap area and stuff like that. I don't know how all of that works. Because I mean, it's just too much for me to keep up with. But well, and I think that that's part of where Lamar not having an agent maybe slows things down. Is that right? Like you know, NFL contract and Lamar's clearly a smart guy. Like there's oh, no, yeah. you know, there's there's no reason that he can't do a contract himself. But again, he's also not looked at an NFL contract like this before, and well, his contract has got to be different than any other one ever made before. You know, it's not like he's a. Uh, you know, some washed up veteran signing a two year, $30 million contract and calling it a day. Like this is going to be the, one of the biggest contracts in NFL history. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. He is a smart guy. You know, he's got a lot of other enterprises going on behind the scenes away from football. The man, you know, he's his own man. He marches to his own drum and, you know, he's always been that way. He's always going to be that way. Uh, you know, I don't fault him at all for not having an agent, as you mentioned, the Kyler Murray contract, where you know he had to have certain study time and not play video games at a certain time and stuff. And that was with an agent. So Lamar is going to ask for what he wants. Now, where where the tricky part comes in is what you just mentioned is where he may not understand it like an agent would the way it's presented to him in writing. Is you know so some of that stuff, but I mean I'm sure he's got legal experts behind the scenes that are, that can help him with that and are helping him with that. And I think this is going to get done sooner rather than later. I do think he's going to be back in Baltimore. Uh, and you know my only you know concern is that you know none of the rumors that we're hearing to where they're trying to 
you know, low volume or whatever are true. I believe more along the lines of what you said that your source has told you that, you know, it's closer to a $200 million guarantee, 275 total. And I think you and I talked on Twitter, you know, I mentioned that my, my number was at 300 total and 250 guarantee. Uh, you know, I think if you get there, Lamar's going to jump on it. But, you know, the incentive part, you know, the roster bonuses, the MVP bonus, the Super Bowl playoff win, you know, all the different things that they could tack in there. That's where, you know, a lot of the uh, convolutedness comes from. And, and you know, I can see when Lamar just wanted to take his time with that, especially with well, no agent, you know. Yes, and with, with what the Ravens have done for him at the wide receiver position, too, do you really want to have – you know, exactly. $70, $80 million hanging up in, in your teammates. Uh, I, I wouldn't if I was Lamar. And that's not a, a slight on the Ravens. You know, their defense is great. Uh, Mark Andrews is great. Their running game has been phenomenal with Lamar. But when you have nobody to throw the ball to, like, that's how you win football games in the NFL. And that's kind of what the league's been transitioning towards. So yeah. if you have Rashad Bateman, you know, who's who looks good when he's healthy, but he's not... You know, he's not consistent. He's never on the field. Devin DuVernay and James Prochet are your top three targets going into next year. I'm not sure I really want to hinge, you know, $80 million in my future on, on that wide receiver group. And so that's the other thing, too, is maybe do, does Lamar kind of wait until... I don't know. So if they exclusive tag him, I think that that sits on the cap as $32.5 million until a week before the draft. And then yeah, it becomes... I think it's yeah, March 15th. No, I think it's April 15th. I think it's April 15th is when it converts to the full exclusive, which is what, about 45? Yeah, so if it were to convert right now, it would be like 45.7 million or something like that. But the thing is, is like, so if he's sitting there at $32.5 million when the league year opens, and then the Ravens will go out and get uh, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, I, I don't know, any of these millions of names that are floating out there. You know, maybe he's more confident in signing a contract that has some, you know, performance-based guarantees in it, and maybe he's more willing to. I, I don't. I don't want to say take less because I don't think he's going to take less, but maybe he's more willing to work with the Ravens on structure because yeah, yeah. you know they got somebody around him, and maybe, you know maybe yeah. yeah that March fifteenth deadline's got to pass for um, you know the Ravens to actually start making roster moves, and once they prove to him that hey, you know we're serious now, maybe maybe he'll take that little bit of a discount. Right. And, and I agree with you. I think I think what Lamar wants to see is, you know, because he's been hearing, okay, you know, EDC come out last year before the draft and said, we like the receivers we got. We like our receiver group. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, a shame that you're all out here saying this. That's disrespectful to our receivers. Then today he turns around and says, we're not doing a very good job in that room. Okay. Yeah, he's so, like, if I didn't swing and miss, we'd have uh, an actual yeah. wide receiver on the roster, which okay, is a fair so, point. Yeah, so... And, I, and that's the thing. Lamar knows that. Lamar sees what Jalen Hurts is doing and who he's got. He sees what Kyler Murray has. He sees what, you know, the time Watson not so much, but he sees Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs up there. Isaiah McKenzie, uh, the other kid I can't think of right now. You got Tua down in Miami. He's got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And, you know, you go to Kansas City and, you know, they don't have great receivers now that Hill's gone. But Juju Smith-Schuster's nothing to, you know, on oh, MVS is solid. Um, yeah, yeah some... and um, who's the kid that they got? Kadarius Tony that they got from the yeah, Giants. Yeah, yeah, I, I love, I love Tony. I love Tony. Uh, my co-host Grant, my co-host uh, Grant on Zone Thirty Two is the biggest Kadarius Tony fan, and so we make fun of him about the time he forgot his shoes. <laughs> but, yeah. 
yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, you he, know, he's he's talented. He's he's one yeah. of those uh, guys. You give him the ball in space, and you never really know what's going to happen. So exactly, yeah. So you know, he looks at those players, and he sees their contract, and he sees what he's got, what kind of weapons they have around him. Now, if you ask me, and I think you will agree by what you said earlier, is that I think Lamar, the Ravens are a team that are on the precipice of a Super Bowl. Okay. okay, they're just missing a few key parts, and most of that's in the receiver room. As you mentioned earlier, the defense is good. The defense improved, you know, tremendously with the addition of Roquan Smith. I think they're going to get. I think they're going to trade Patrick Queen. I really do. I don't think they're going to uh, exercise that fifth-year option or re-sign him. You know, and there's some other players going to be gone. I think Crochet is going to be one of them. I think Duvernay possibly on the block. Maybe even Gus Edwards. So. Uh, but they got to get some receivers, man, because Duvernay, Prochet, Wallace, first of all, only one that stayed healthy was Duvernay, and he can't stay healthy. You know, he got hurt toward the end of the year. Yeah. And if you're not on the field, you definitely can't catch the ball. So, you know, I think Rashawn Bateman is a good starting point, and he will be one hell of a receiver if he can stay healthy, and he just proved that. So they've got to go out and get some uh, receivers. So, you know, with that said, you know, I, I like I like a lot of the receivers that are in the draft. Okay, I like a lot of them. my favorite in the draft right now is Nate Flowers. Same. Love the kid, great route runner. He can go up and get the 50-50 balls when need to. He's not that big, but he can still get up and get those balls. Uh, I think he would be an excellent pick there at, at number twenty-two if they sit. Now they also need cornerbacks, you know. And there's a lot. I've got probably seven or eight cornerbacks that with first and second round grades. So there's a lot of them out there. So my thing is, what do you think is the blueprint to get them to where they need to be in that receiver room? I think they need to get them a veteran, a strong veteran, not a not a Demarcus Robinson, even though I like what he did for the end of the year, and I'd like to see them re-sign him. But they've got to get a strong veteran presence and then draft a nice, young, uh, talented wide receiver that can come in there and help that room out. So what what is your blueprint for filling that room out? So I think they need to bring in three new wide receivers. I think they have to draft one. Um, I, I love Zay Flowers, too. I, I live in Massachusetts. I got I was lucky enough to see him play a couple times in person. So, uh, okay. you know, he's, it just looks like, uh, you know, Looks like the kid who's like 14 years old beating up on 10-year-olds on the playground when he was playing <laughs> out against ACC competition. Yeah, uh, just like you said, quick, uh, small, but kind of has that, um, you know, Antonio Brown, Tyree Kill vibe to him where he's still going to fight for the ball even though he's, right. you know, maybe outmatched uh, size-wise by the other players. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be my guy in the first round. Um, Quentin Johnson's another one that I'm a little bit intrigued by. It's just because he's tall and fast. I don't know. You can't teach guys to be tall and fast, so I feel like that's another one. And he might drop because he's not really, uh, you know, not a crisp route runner, not great right. hands, not a lot of, uh, you know, it's not a lot of great tape on him. But again, you know, he's tall and fast, and you can't teach anybody to be tall and fast. So I, I kind of like the idea of him too. Yep. So I think you got to draft one of those kind of guys in the first round. You know, maybe uh, JSN or uh, Addison Falls too. Mm-hmm. I doubt it, but you never know. I mean, apparently uh, JSN's not going to run the forty anymore. Which leads me oh, to believe really? that is, yeah, that was that's been going around Twitter later today. So okay. uh, again, I have no idea how true that is or not, but I feel like if he doesn't run the forty, or he runs a slow forty time, you know, maybe that's a guy that dips to Baltimore and he might be there at twenty-two. I have no idea, right. but again, that's another guy that would be okay. Um, I think you then have to sign a 
I, I don't know if like a like a lotto ticket kind of veteran is the right way to put it, like a Michael Thomas or a Keenan mm-hmm. Allen or, you know, Kenny Galladay, who, you know, somebody who's got really no value on the open market because of, you know, last few years and what's happened to them. And, you know, you, you sign them and you, you take a gamble that they're going to turn into the player that they used to be two or three years ago. And then I think the third guy you got to bring in has got to be like a legitimate stud via trade. Um, so Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins are kind of the no-brainer guys right now. Right. Uh, just, you know, again, Cardinals are in shambles. Uh, nobody wanted to even coach their team because Kyler's out for the year and nobody wants to coach him anyway. And then obviously the Bucks are in a rebuild stage. So, you know, any any money that they could shed. And Chris Godwin's probably another guy that I would put on that list too because, you know, again, the Bucks probably want to shed some salary. So right. I, I feel like you got to bring in three guys and it's got to be kind of that solid mix of, you know, you bring in the unknown with a drafted guy, you bring in uh, somebody who's a known quantity but has not produced to that level, and then you bring in somebody who, you you know, you really know what they are and they're really going to give you that 11, 1,200 yards and five, six, seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree completely with you. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, strong veterans out there, uh, I'm with you. Uh, I agree. DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, are no-brainer. I like Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, I'm intrigued by Galladay, but he scares me. You know, the way that he is performing in, in New York is just, you know, I don't know what to expect from him. Uh, Matt Stafford got that man a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got him a ton. And then, uh, you know, then you've got Chris Godwin down there in Tampa. I don't think they're going to let both of those guys go, but I do feel like they're going to let one go for sure. And that's probably going to be Mike Evans. And I'd rather have him over Godwin anyway. Uh, right now, uh, I think he'd be good for the, for the uh, for that wide receiver room as far as a veteran presence and a stable presence. Uh, right, so I, I got a long-standing argument with uh, two of my Zone 32 co-hosts, uh, the Wear Purple Pants guy, Will and uh-huh. Grant. Um, they they are big Mike Evans guys, uh-huh. and for years I have told them that Mike Evans is not a top ten wide receiver, and so I feel like it's destiny that we go get Mike Evans and he puts up like a sixteen hundred <laughs> yard, you know, fourteen touchdown season. And then I just get dunked on repeatedly by those two. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm going to be on their side on that argument because I really like Mike Evans. I, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I think he's like 11 through 20. Yeah. You know, I okay. Don't think he's like he's yeah. some bum. I just don't think he's top 10. And their yeah. argument to me all the time is that, oh, well, he's got nine straight thousand yard seasons, and it's like, well, Kirk Cousins has got you know nine straight years of above average starting numbers, <laughs> but is he a top 10 quarterback? Yeah, yeah no. they, that, that's the one that triggers them. And that's usually what gets us into shouting matches. And then we start, you know, throwing uh, ableist slurs at each other. And it's just not a gets ugly on the podcast. Thank, thankfully, we have an editor. So. Uh, I don't have one. So you're, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck with whatever you say. So, oh, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I like Mike Evans. I like Chris Godwin. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of players out there. Ke- Keenan Allen is intriguing to me, you know. He's been injured a little bit the last couple of years, but he's always been a steady, good, you know, ball player, steady receiver. Uh, you know, I'd re- much rather have Mike Williams than than Keenan, but uh, you know, th- you're not going to get him. Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, I think he's eligible for agency again. Uh, you think he I th- leaves? Nah, I think he stays. Yeah, uh, no, that's I think, my thing with him too. I think they'll try to. I think they might take a swing at him again, but I think he stays. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot of available options out there, and then if you get into the later round, one of the uh, two there's two players that three players that really really intrigue me. Uh, one being Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell out of Houston, uh, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, and this kid that just come on the scene with, with the uh, HBCU 
uh, all-star game, Xavier Smith out of Florida A&M. Did you get a chance to watch him? Yeah, so actually all three of those guys have been all over my timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get to those later round guys, and when I say later round, like third round and later, you know, they all have kind of those physical traits you want them to have. Um, all three of those guys have either size or speed or good hands. Mm-hmm. And it's really going to come down to how they take that next step at the NFL. Right. And are they going to really turn into something? So, you know, I, I'm never really picky when it gets to the later rounds. I, mm-hmm. I hate Ohio State because I'm a Michigan fan. So if it's, you know, if I'm <laughs> picking like a Ohio State guy or something like that, like obviously I'm going to hate them. But other than that, you know, I'm not, I'm never really too, I'm always willing to take a flyer on guys, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, those guys are, you know, along the line of the Devin DuVernay, Jake Brochet, Tyler Wallace. Because, I mean, you know, you take them in the later rounds and it's either, they're either hit or miss. I mean, they either are what they are or, they're, or you know, they're going to be, you know, take that next step at the next level or they're not. And I haven't seen that from any of the receivers that no, the Ravens right. don't have get me started. Don't get me started on pro. Oh. I, could do, I could do six and a half hours on how much oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll he, had more pe- he had more penalty yards than receiving yards this year. That's uh, what I need to know about. I, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, you know, I, it's it's... There's so much there on the table that that needs to be corrected. You know, the rest of it, like I said, the defense is in good shape. Special teams is pretty good. Uh, Yeah, you you need a corner on defense. You need, you know, like maybe a healthy veteran edge guy. Um, Yeah, If you're expecting a job to be, you know, full bore this year. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe you sign like Justin Houston back again. Yep. And then it's really, you just got to retool the wide receivers. And and left guard will be a questionable position, but yeah, I think they I mean, have the, people on the yeah, roster. Yeah, because the line's there. I mean, you got Linderbaum, you got Zeitler, you got uh, Ronnie Stanley, you've got uh, Morgan Moses, and then, you know, like I said, the left guard is the only questionable. So, yeah, and so it, you got Makari already, who could mm-hmm. be that. You got Ben Cleveland, who could be that already. Yeah. I mean, I'm maybe a, you'd, you, there's, a, there's draftable guys too. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a little dis- disappointed in being played with so far, but you know I know he's been hurt and stuff, and I think he must have had a weight issue or something the first year. Apparently, he's like dumb as rocks, and I don't mean that to be um, <laughs> offensive, but I, I guess he could not figure out the Greg Roman running scheme. <laughs> is what is that okay. seems to be kind of the uh, you know like the the consensus is that he's just not been, and I know Greg Roman asks a lot out of his. Uh, offensive linemen in terms of pulling and kind of weird assignments that is, you know, guards will have. But right. I guess that's been his biggest issue is that he just could not figure out his assignments, that he was just not smart enough, for lack of a better term, to figure out. And I mean, it makes sense. The guy eats squirrels and, you know, like, if you ever heard him talk, like, he, he's, he's pretty <laughs> proud about who he is. So no, I don't think he'd take offense to me calling him dumb. But but the good news uh, for him is that they just hired, you know, Todd Monken, who comes from yeah. Georgia. So, you know, that'll be a good fit for him. Plus, you know, speaking of Monken, what do you think about that hire? What, where do you think that leaves players like uh, Patrick Ricard? What do you, you know, with some of, you know, how many, how many tight ends we're going to keep now? Because, you know, we got five on the roster this year. You know, you've got four still on the active roster. You got Boyle on the on the practice squad. You know, so what do you think about that hire? I mean, do you see that as as a good good thing, a bad thing? You know, we'll yeah. Wait so he see. was. He was my second choice, personally. Okay. Um, I wanted B enemy. Yeah. So, I, I well, really, I had B enemy as kind of like my my pipe dream option, and then um, when I got down to a kind of our final three, which was Monken, the enemy, and uh, Brian Johnson. Right. You know, it, it sort of turned into that. Well, Brian Johnson wasn't going to leave the Eagles because Steichen was going to need to be the head coach, so he could just slot in and be the offensive coordinator. Which and, makes you know, sense. Why is he? 
Yeah, which is what he just did. Mm-hmm. And so it really came down to, and I, I assume the enemy didn't want the job. I, I can't imagine that we, you know, that he was like, that we offered him a job and he was like, nah, I'm going to go to Washington instead. Like he must have just not wanted to come to Baltimore for whatever reason. So it kind of, you know, Monken was the last guy, or not the last guy available, but he was your finalist that wanted to Right. Play, so so what, yeah, what, I was, what would you think uh, would be the reason that the enemy didn't want to come? Well, so I think that and, um, we had a Chiefs fan on our podcast a couple of times who was uh, kind of plugged in down in that area. Mm-hmm. And he made it pretty clear that the enemy wants to be a head coach. Right. And so my thought process is that if he comes to Baltimore, you know, okay, so he can do a couple years with Lamar Jackson, put up crazy numbers, you know, do the same thing he did with Mahomes. Everybody's going to be like, okay, yeah, the enemy's the guy. And then he's going to have to leave and go to some other team and kind of install his scheme again. Right. But if he goes to Washington, Ron Rivera's probably on his way out. And so he can sort of install his offense there. Ron Rivera steps down, retires, gets fired, whatever happens. And he slots in to be the head coach. So he's already got an offensive scheme there that he's put in with players that he already knows. And it's kind of like an easier... Um, yeah, uh, easier, you know, transition. I tend, I tend to agree with with what you're saying there. My only question on that was, and you know, I've I've mentioned this on Twitter to other people too, is that, you know, it, even you know, I do believe Rivera's on his way out, and the ownership situation is is what you know is kind of got me saying, well, I don't know, because if Snyder is either forced to sell or does sell. Then you know whoever the new owners then are, are going to want to come in and bring in their own stuff. So that's no guarantee that the enemy's going to get that promotion, even though you know I think he deserves it. But uh, yeah, that's, so that's the only thing there. That, you know, I had a question about him taking that job. I, I mean, it, it's lining up perfect if Snyder keeps the team. Yeah, know? I'm not sure Snyder gets rid of that team. I know that that's yeah. like that common sense thing is that he's got to go and. He's done all this horrible stuff, and I don't disagree. Like he's a scumbag and kind of needs yeah, to go. Yeah, oh yeah, he is for sure. The, he's hung around this long, so who knows? Yeah, well, you know, what, then, what you know, got there was uh, stuff coming out on Twitter today where he's talking about possibly not telling them that. So, you know, yeah, he's also under like federal investigation for yeah, funneling yeah. sixty million dollars away from the team that you know nobody knew about. So, right, and and at some point, that's the thing. You know, is he going to be forced to sell? You know, so. We'll see. I mean, that, that's a long way from playing all the way out. So, it, but uh, I want to go back real quick to uh, the Lamar deal. You know, EDC mentioned today that uh, you know they had made a decision on whether it's going to be the exclusive or the non-exclusive franchise tag if they have to go that route. What are your thoughts on that? Because you know, I got a, I got a couple of thoughts on on that either way. But what are your thoughts on, you know, which one you think they should do and, you know, how that would work and all of that? I think you got to go exclusive tag. I don't think you give another team a chance to talk to them. Right. Because the risk you run is that there's going to be somebody out there that just offers him money that the Ravens can't make work. Yeah. And yeah. then you got to give them up for only two first-round picks, which is just not fair compensation for Lamar. Yeah. So I, I think it's exclusive or nothing. I think that's got to be your, uh, your move. And what do you think? You know who has the leverage in that case? You know, I, you know, I'm hearing, you know, oh, well, the Ravens have all the leverage if they franchise if they do the exclusive. Not so fast because Lamar doesn't have to sign that. Okay, so you know he could say, you know, if we don't, re- you know, he could do the same thing he did this year. Say, okay, well, if we don't reach an agreement by you know start a training camp or by the start of the season, then contract talks are off till next year. Sign the tag and then play without ever showing up at camp. 
Or he could say, well, you know, since we can't come to an arrangement, then I want to be traded. And I'm not signing on the tag until I, you know, get to pick a team that I want to go to. So what do you think about that? So, I mean, Ravens have no leverage left. The, yeah. Their last play, their, their last, um, you know, their last ditch effort here is that they can put a tag on him and at least control where he goes. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Or, you know, not let him walk for free. Um, you know, ball is totally in Lamar's court at this point. Like, it, it's kind of what he wants or, you know, they got to get rid of him. Like, the Ravens have lost all leverage that they've had. So, yeah, that that whole narrative going around the Internet that the Ravens can, you know, play hardball with him, blah, blah. It's, it's dumb and it's wrong and it's pushed by people who don't really understand, you know, the business side of sports. Right. And, that, and that's the thing. Lamar knows that. Okay, yeah. so you know, like, like we said, he, he he's not dumb. Okay, he knows that. So they can sign, you know, they can franchise tagging, but until he signs it, that doesn't really mean anything. But so you know, it does to a certain degree. I mean, nobody else can talk to him. But if Lamar says, you know, I'm done talking to you all, either trade me or I'm sitting. You know, then that kind of pushes the Ravens in a completely different direction that they say they don't want to go. But. It, you know, so I think he's got all the leverage, just like you said. I think the Ravens have no leverage left, and they're either going to have to, uh, you know, both sides are going to have to make some concessions. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest holdup in all of this, this entire process, is not EDC, it's not John Harbaugh, it's not Sashi Brown, I think it's Steve Bashotti. And See, I don't know, because Steve Biscotti made Joe Flacco the highest-paid quarterback. He made Roquan Smith the highest-paid inside linebacker. You know, he made Ronnie Stanley one of the highest-paid left uh, left tackles. He's made uh, Marlon one of the highest-paid you know corners. It, Steve has no problem throwing money around. I think the real problem is that Steve doesn't want to give a fully guaranteed contract because that right. money's got to go into escrow. And, and that's what I mean by that is that it's not so much he's not willing to pay the money. Obviously, if they offer him $275 million, they're willing to pay him. Okay. But, I, I you know, because I listened to him on Marlon uh, Humphrey's podcast, you know, Studio 44, you know, back before the season started, he said, you know, that that's an outlier with the Browns and, you know, they really screwed things up for everybody, and I think he meant that. I don't think he's willing to give even two hundred and thirty million guaranteed at this point. Uh, the fact that he gave two hundred million is 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 good, but I think Lamar wants more than that, and I don't think he wants fully guaranteed. But I'm like like you said earlier, somewhere in the two thirty to two fifty range, and then you know two seventy five three hundred total over a six year period. I think that's probably what he's looking at. And then all the other nuances like the MVPs and all the incentive-based stuff, you know, that all has to be worked out. That's the least part of it. Once you get the get guaranteed money and the, you know, totals done, then you can negotiate the rest of that. But I just think that Bashadi is not, want, you know, and I agree with you. He's, he's paid some players. I'm not saying he hasn't. I just don't think he's going to go. I, well, Based on what is being said, I don't think he's going to go where Lamar wants to go as far as guaranteed money. And see, I think if it comes down to Lamar's about to leave, that's basically a gun to his head. And I think if a gun's <laughs> to Biscotti's head and yeah. it's lose Lamar Jackson or keep Lamar Jackson, I, I think he keeps him ultimately. Well, I think, I think right now we're seeing, you know, normal business tactics and right. normal negotiation stuff going on. Well, that's the thing, you know, from what I heard, you know, five years ago, 
know, or six years ago now, you know, Piscotti is the one that really wanted Lamont. So, mm-hmm. you know, so and if that's the case, I mean, obviously he likes the kid. And, you know, the box, the thing here is, okay, so we got to give a little bit more. Lamar's got to give a little bit more. But let's get this damn deal done so we can move on and get this team set up for a Super Bowl run. Because they've got the team to do it. They've got the and team to do they, it right now. They've had the team to do it for a couple of years. And they had, uh, you know, the terrorist offensive coordinator still in place. Right. So, so yeah, you know, and that's the thing. And that, that falls back to, you know, who? John Harbaugh? Because that's, you know, D-Row is Harbaugh's guy. And that's what concerned me about Monken. More, that's the only thing that concerned me about Monken. I uh, like is him. Sister, is the sister part? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because so you know that's his sister's the, married to uh, Tom, Tom Crean, Crean. Yeah, 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 the Georgia coach. So, well, see, that's the thing. The Creams and the Harbaugh have been taught out at the hip for years and years and years, way back in the day when Jack was coaching Western Kentucky here, okay, yeah. down in Bowling Green. You know, when you know, because that's when Willie Taggart was on the staff, and you know, that's you know, the Cream deal. He was at Marquette at the time and all that. But I mean, they keep, they keep recycling all these damn coaches you know they're kind of like a bobby petrino in college he did the same thing all the nepotism and stuff of hiring friends and family you know if i don't know you i'm not going to take a chance on you i'm gonna bring up people i know whether you know other people like it or not you know and that's you the the nfl is ever evolving and if you don't evolve with it you're going to get left behind and that's what's happening to the raiders they're not evolving on the offensive side of the ball. They still so I play. think, yeah, I, I, I get the nepotism thing, but mm-hmm. I think like the Mike McDonald hire was a good hire. Yeah. And no, that's, a ne- that's a nep- but that's a nepotism hire, but that's a young kid who does things a little bit differently and he was a little shaky up front, but he kind of came into his own at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, it, the problem is, is that all, yeah, all of Harbaugh's contacts on the offensive side of the ball are, you know, older guys who mm-hmm. kind of look at things old school style um after listening to todd monk and talk uh, i'm a little bit more excited with him i was not aware at how kind of um you know go with the flow he was and that he was all more about like fitting players into a, a system and right. making it work rather than trying to fit you know have a set scheme and trying to fit guys into it so i'm kind of excited to see what he does yeah um, we were talking you know we were talking about like the tight ends before and the fullbacks if they get rid of patrick ricard i might riot but um <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a big hey. fan of his Plug him into left guard. Look. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, I can, yeah. you know, let him let him play defensive tackle too. Yeah, and well, defensive and that's player a, of the year. That's going to be the difference between Giro and Monken. Monken's going to fit his offense to fit the players that he has, where Giro was trying to fit players into his offense, and that that's just not the way it is. You know, Lamar could do a lot of things. He could do just about anything, and he's proven it. Oh my God, he's got a forty-five and sixteen record in five years with, with with the Ravens, okay? And we, you know, I think you will admit, and, I, you know, I'm going to say it, you know, I think John Harbaugh was on his way out the door until Lamar took over the starting oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, no, so with that said, you know, he saved a lot of people's jobs in that building, okay? So now the only thing you're missing, he's not asking for you to go out there and get me, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans and, you know, Kenny Galladay and Chris Gall, you know, Get me somebody that can catch a damn ball. Get me somebody that can get some separation. Get me somebody that can get the 50-50 balls. Give me a young receiver that can, you know, come in and learn and do those things. Get Bateman healthy, and let's go win some fucking football game. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. They've got the team in place, and I think it had they had the receiver after they traded Hollywood Brown, 
since then, it's just gone straight to hell. Had they had the receivers over these last two, three years after that Brown trade, they'd be in the Super Bowl by now. I fully believe that. Well, so if Lamar doesn't get hurt this year, yeah, well, that's that that too. And then you know you want to hear you want to hear the people say, well, you know, now they're going to say Lamar gets hurt, but, but well. You know, because the style of play, which is bullshit. You know that too, because he got hurt he, twice he, in the pocket. Right, he's getting hurt in the pocket. He ain't getting hurt out in the field anywhere. As a matter of fact, he takes less hits than any quarterback I've seen when he gets out the field. Half the time, I really running. only have one gripe with Lamar's play, uh-huh. and it's that I feel like sometimes he tries to be a hero too much. Right. Um, he'll yeah. hold on to the ball for a little bit too long, and he'll try yeah. to take that deep shot down the field when he could take. Uh, you know, four to six yard dump off pass or, you know, run out of bounds after four to six yards. And like, I feel like that comes with time and that comes with a better supporting cast is that he's going to not press as much and not try to make those superhero plays. Well, you know, and and I look at it like, and you know, I may be just, you know, with rose colored glasses here, but it seems to me that in the first three years he was in Baltimore, he didn't have that issue. But over the last two years, he's kind of like really... You know, it's like he almost doesn't trust his weapons, and, and who can blame him? But, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I think started, it's a combination of that stuff. It's they figured out Greg Roman's play calling. You know, yeah. again, his play calling was horrendous and terrible, and, you know, we could talk about it for hours, but defenses were figuring out what was coming. And right. so in 18 and 19, he, you know, was still kind of fresh and still kind of new, and there was, you know, his first and second read were open. And now we've gotten to 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and those guys are not open. Right. And so now he's got to wait for something to develop. Or, you know, the Greg Roman specialist to uh, run a play-action pass, have, you know, your tight end and your slot receiver block, and have the two outside guys run, you know, like nine routes down the field. And then, you know, Lamar has to huck it 45 yards down the field. Meanwhile, his right guard and right tackle got blown off the line, and he's running for his life. So Yeah, exactly. That's it in a nutshell. That really is. That's a great way to explain it. Yeah, Roman never never gave him options that were open within two seconds of the snap. You know what I mean? He always gave him the the three, four-second developing routes. And, like, that's great if your blocking holds up, but to expect your blocking to hold up for four seconds every play is nuts. That's, yeah, that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen with any kid, not let alone the race. So, you know, and that's the thing. You know, if he gave them that kind of, those kind of routes, we wouldn't be talking about this today. But, you know, that's not the case, and I expect that to change, with, you know, with Monkin. So, uh, I'm, I'm expecting Isaiah likely to have a huge year this year. I think he's a, he's a Monkin a Munkin guy. Yeah. Now, what what was the, uh, the uh, tight end that they had to Georgia this year? That he was a freshman. Was he a freshman this year or last year? Oh, uh, Bowers. Yeah, Bowers. Yeah, I really so like that so- kid. He's a sophomore, yeah. Yeah. He's got one and, more year in college. Yeah, so he he reminds me a lot of uh, Likely and Kohler, too. I like Charlie Kohler. I know he didn't get a lot, of ch- a lot of chance to play, but I like him. I even like Josh Oliver. But I don't... Yeah, I think Oliver's going to be the odd man out. Oliver yeah. and Boyle are going to be yeah. the, uh, the ones who are not on the team this year. But I agree. I think they're going to keep three tight ends, and that'll be Andrews, uh, Likely, and Kohler. Uh, yeah, same. And, and I think I think Ricard sticks around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about the what? What? What do you think that the Ravens need to look for a free agency? We talk about wide receivers. So, what else do you think they might want to dip into and kind of go get some uh, superstar player bring in if they can? So, I think you got to look at a corner, um, mm-hmm. and whether that's just bringing back Marcus Peters or if there's somebody else on the market that they want. Uh, Jamel Dean is one from, you know, Tampa Bay that I'm thinking of that might not get tagged and might be a free agent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to need to bring in at least one corner, maybe two, depending on what you do with Marcus Peters. Right. Um, and I'm not sure you want to use a first round pick on a corner. Like you said, there's, you know, six or seven guys in the first round grade. If you're not getting Christian Gonzalez, um, I feel like you can wait until the second or third round and pick up a corner that's just as, you know, that that's equal to who you would take in 22. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100% on that. I think Gonzalez is clear-cut number one. And past that, they're all pretty interchangeable. And you can wait until the second round, maybe even the late in the third round, to get one of those guys. So I agree with and you. And I think it depends on what they do with Queen, too. Because if you deal Queen for a second-round pick, then maybe you're taking a corner in the second round. Yeah. And, and that's I, kind I of, could definitely see that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting, is that they do deal Queen and try to get a second-round pick for him. And that's where they get the corner at. I think they I go also wonder, I, I wonder if Queen's a guy that you throw into a deal for a DeAndre Hopkins or a Mike Evans. Man, I think that would be awesome if they did. Because, I mean, you know, like, you know, Arizona definitely could use him. And, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, Tampa Bay, I think Tampa Bay is going to be blown up this year. I yeah, so Levante yeah. David's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin, Devin White's in his last year of his contract. Yep. So if you pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option, you know, that's your Devin White replacement potentially at a little bit yeah. cheaper than what you got to pay for Devin White. Yeah, so I think either one of those would be great. So Mike Evans or, or DeAndre Hopkins, if they can make that happen, man, I I'd be a happy, happy little camper without. So, yeah, and I think that's where you get to the Gus Edwards thing too. Is that you know mm-hmm. Gus is making, um, I think it's like five and a half million dollars against the cap, and you yep. can definitely, you know, move on from him, and you know he'll be missed, but you can move on from him and maybe get a third back. Right. And is that something you do? Then you package your both your thirds and move up in the second round. I'm not sure, but that option is there. Chuck Clark's another one who's expendable too. Yeah, uh, that yep. saves you like three and a half million dollars against the cap. And again, you know, he's not horrible, but he's not good either. He's kind of just kind of like your average middle of the road safety. But a lot of teams need that second, you know, that that strong safety you can, uh, you know, is a proven veteran and can kind of give you steady play from that position. So I'd be curious to see if they I, I think they move him too, but I'd be curious to see what he would get back in return. Yeah, yeah, I, I think a third, fourth round pick would be good there. Uh, I think anything less than that, I, I'd be concerned with but I mean you know he is an average player he's not he's not one of those guys that's going to go out there and get you a first and second rounder so you know I'm looking probably fourth to sixth rounder uh, for him but I mean any draft capital that you get for a player like that you know you got to take well, it especially already, we only we only have five picks this year so it's kind yeah of, uh, yeah well that's the thing and you know and he and EDC said today that you know he likes to have a lot of draft picks so I, I do feel like some players are going to be on the block, and I do believe they're going to be traded with some draft picks. They're going to pick some, uh, pick up, pick up some players. And there's a lot of good, you know. Uh, I say there's almost almost as many uh, safeties in this draft as there are cornerbacks. Not first round grade, but you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round grade that uh, could probably feel that same role as Chuck Clark. So. Well, and especially in Mike McDonald's defense, they like that guy who can play some slot corner, or some you know, uh, yeah, like dime, Kyle dime linebacker. Yeah, yeah, like, like him. So, yeah, so I can see that, and and I'm all for it. The only other thing that I think they need, I, you know, as far on the defense, I think pretty good. You know, on offense, other than receiver, you maybe take a, a offensive lineman somewhere down the road, you know, just as, as depth. But I think on uh, the defensive side of the ball, they definitely need to get them an edge somewhere, a young. Uh, you know, strong edge out of the draft or in a trade or something. And then I think they need to shore up that defensive line a little bit. I like Travis Jones. Uh, I'm worried yeah, about Michael Pierce. Yeah, I'm worried about Michael gone. Pierce. 
Yeah, I think he is too. And you know, plus he can't. You know, he wasn't able to stay healthy either. And then past no, that, you no. got Calais, who is you know he he still got he still got some left in the tank, but. My God, the man's getting older. I mean, what sixteen? Well, and years? I'm not keeping him. I'm not keeping him at his cap hit this year. So if he wants to yeah. come back, it's got to be yeah, do something with that contract. Exactly. So if he, he comes back, if Justin Houston comes back, they're going to have to rework those deals. Of course, Houston is a free agent, but uh, you know, and, and EDC mentioned that if they do go and sign him, it's going to be later in the year, maybe around July or something. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, those are the only things that I say are definite needs for this team. That would be an edge, a cornerback, a re- you know, some receivers, and then maybe some depth. You know, would you agree with that or do you think there's something I'm missing? No, I mean, I think those are really your key positions. And, you know, obviously you're going to want to probably look at some offensive line depth. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. if, if Makari is going to be your left guard. Yeah. And that's kind of where you're slotting in. You're going to need another swing tackle to go with Philele. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, I forgot I could... about Philele. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. He, I, yeah. I expect him to come on in the next so, yeah. yeah, same. I mean, again, you can't teach a guy to be six, seven, and three hundred and eighty pounds and move like he does. So, oh my God, yeah, he's quick for that size. He reminds me a lot of Makai Beckham out of Louisville. Yeah, backs. you know, he's got yeah. that, he's got that speed, man, and quickness. Those feet are quick. So. I, I love the Flaley pick that, uh, last year. I, yeah. I think that he's a guy that could do some, you know, serious damage if he's given a shot. Even when he had to slot in and play left tackle this year, he looked pretty good. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be shocked if he took Moses' job at some point. No, I wouldn't either because, you know, Moses is getting up there in, you know, years too. So I expect yeah, Moses Mo- to be a starter this year and then maybe next year you're looking at politely taking that role. Oh, yeah. And Moses is a guy that got a ton of great, like, PFF grades and people mm-hmm. seem to, uh, you know, hype him up for how good he was. I thought he sucked. So. Yeah, well, I mean, he did all right. I, I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with him. Let's say he was better than Alejandro Villanueva. Yeah, that, but that, that's not saying. Much. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not saying. Much. So, uh, you know, you and I both have a kind of a, I don't know what you call it. I call it, you know, for myself, a disdain for uh, the Purple Patrol, as, as we call it on Twitter. And, uh, you know, what do you think about all these people? I mean, because you know, the Ravens. The Ravens fan base is, is kind of like a bipolar. Uh, what is the word yeah. I'm looking for? You know, it's it's just weird it's because segmented. you got it's yeah, very you, segmented. You've got these Ravens fans like myself. I'm, I'm including myself here because I wasn't a Ravens fan until Lamar. Okay, so you got the Lamar guys. They want to call us Lamar fans and all that. I'm not a. I mean, I love Lamar. Wherever he goes, I'm going to be a fan of that team. But you know, I like the Ravens. I, you know, I've come to like all the players, the coaching staff. The, you know, I love the city. I mean, I've been there. I used, you know, when I was traveling while I was working and stuff. I, you know, I spent a ton of time at the DMV. Would go over to Baltimore and stuff and have a great time on the Inner Harbor and things like that. It's a great place. But uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I got a PSL, so I'm yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, so you know, uh, so what? I mean, do you think there's any way? Even because, you know, uh, one, one guy on there today, I can't remember. It's one of the twin guys. I can't yeah, remember his name. Andrew and, and the other one, I can't remember his name. Yeah, it's Alex and Adam. Uh, yeah, the gardeners. The gardeners, yeah. Yeah, so they, they he, missed, me. he mentioned on there that, you know, oh, well, I can't wait till you know, they sign Lamar and then all of this, you know, we can kind of ease into things and everything's going to settle down. And like, I said, are you kidding me? I said, you know what's going to start as soon as that contract is signed, and they announce the term for that contract. 
they're going to be t- there's going to be one side saying they gave him too much. There's going to be another side say, side saying I wouldn't have signed. They didn't give me enough. You know. So, I mean, me me personally, like if you were to pull both sides of that, you know, the uh, Legion of Gloom uh-huh. and Purple Patrol of who they hate most, it's probably me. Um, I, I have this unique ability to piss off both sides. Um, I've never really found myself as like, uh, you know, a purple patroller or a legion of gloom guy. I kind right. of, uh, I would say I'm more of a centrist. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I like Hoodie Ramey, for example, a uh, great kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, he's probably like the uh, leader of the purple patrol, but then, you know, like some of the legion of gloom guys are great guys too. I, I've kind of always, uh, you know, everybody's got decent opinions and you know it's the bourbon sort of has turned into like politics for me where it's you know everybody is too uh extreme in their views and it's kind of like i'm looking for something sort of down the middle of you know the team's not perfect the players aren't perfect but like let's roll with what we got and see what happens yeah i mean you know and and, you know both sides should be sort supporting the team both sides should be uh supporting lamar because he's part of the team so, I feel know. like there is a sect of Legion of Gloom that hates Eric Tacosta so much that they want Lamar to leave and they want this to be botched so they have something to complain about all day on Twitter. <laughs> and well, like those are the people that I promise you, you'll see it all over your timeline. When Lamar signs that extension, I'm going to be fucking down there next. Like, I'm, I'm coming I'm coming for throats. I've, I've had enough of the... Uh, <laughs> I've yeah, had I saw, enough of the... Yeah. I saw you kept receipts, so... Oh, yeah. right, okay. well, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward I, I to had, that. I, I had a long list of receipts. Uh, some of those people have recently blocked me, so I don't know how I'll find those receipts, <laughs> but I will I will find a way. Um, okay. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't like the... Um, I don't like the idea that, you know, we're going to sit here and cry over what our general manager has done for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Like, he has made mistakes. There's no way around that. Like, you know, there are things that are wrong with this team that he has refused to address or has not addressed correctly. Right. And... It's okay to point that out like you know it is what it is it happened but there's no use in crying over spilt milk and there's yeah. no use in in crying about shit that happened in 2019 and 2023 right it's all about you know it's all about the 2023 season to me and it's all about how the ravens can be better next year than they were last year i agree because you know even ozzy made mistakes i mean nobody's perfect nobody has a perfect record oh, no, ozzy, ozzy had some ozzy had some fucking horrendous draft classes yeah yeah so you know and it, you know, and two, that goes back to <coughs> goes back to what I said earlier about Steve Scotty. At at some point, you know, the ED, you know, EDCs of the world, GMs of these teams, they can only do what their owners are going to sign off on. Okay, yeah, so or, you know, you know, EDC's case too, Harbaugh. You, yeah, got to get Harbaugh approval on this stuff. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, that reminds me too much. You know, I I don't know if you read my profile or whatever. I'm a lifelong Raiders fan. You know, have been all my life, except I, I couldn't stand Derek Carr. You know, I'm so glad he's gone. But, you know, that reminds me of the John Gruden regime. It's like, okay, well, you got a GM in here that's not really a GM, Mike Mayock, because you know who's pulling the strings there, John Gruden. And that concerned me with Harbaugh. I think the coach, coaches need to coach. They need to have a say on the players that we bring in and draft and stuff like that. But at the same time, that's what you got a scouting staff for. That's what the GM is for. Let them well, and do you their put, job. You, you put EDC in this weird spot because, again, he had been with the organization forever. Right. But he did not have the kind of authority that he had until 2019. 
Right. Meanwhile, Harbaugh's been there since 08, has, you know, won a ring, has been there for a long time. So it's almost like Harbaugh had more more clout with the organization than, you know, EDC did. And yeah. I feel like EDC was trying to do too much to please Harbaugh and too much to please Biscotti. And when you try to please everyone, you please nobody. Yep. And so exactly. he sort of put himself in this weird spot where he was making picks that he thought were correct to fit certain schemes and then you have like an inept guy like Greg Roman calling plays and they make EDC look dumb when the reality is is that you should have fired Greg Roman after 2020. Yeah well and that's the thing hiring Todd Monken is going to help that in that regard because now you can go out there and get the best player available versus having to find a player that's going to fit in your office coordinator scheme. Because right, this and that's always been the Ravens' thing. Is, you yeah. know, the Ravens always have been a draft best player available, not draft for need. Right. And, and so and, if you're going to do that, you have to have a coaching staff that's not brain dead. Exactly. So I think that the hiring of Monk is going to be a big help in regard to that, you know, as long as Harbaugh lets him do his job. So Yeah, uh, and I, I, think, I think to Harbaugh's credit, he does not get involved on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> and when that comes to uh, Todd Munkin, who is clearly intelligent and knows how to scheme around his players, that's great. When it's Greg Roman, who is more worried about the next Big Mac that he's going to eat, I feel like maybe that's <laughs> when Harbaugh needs to uh, jump in and call plays. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I noticed nobody's calling him. So, <laughs> Yeah, apparently he's going to be a high school coach. So, Yeah, yeah, no. All right. And that's where we pulled them from. Uh, I guess the last thing I want to, you know, kind of just touch on tonight. I don't know if you uh, really get into this or not. I, I don't get into it too much. I watch it. It's kind of more like white noise for me. Is the uh, NFL Combine? Do you get into that? Do you watch a lot of it, or you know, do you care? Or you know, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I tell myself every year. I was like, this is nerdy. Like watching these kids run around, and then I Saturday and Sunday, I'm glued to the television. So, oh yeah, Saturday and Sunday. Now when you got got the QBs and stuff, and running back. Yeah, I'm gonna be on there. I'm not. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to me because you know, to me, I feel like um, 40 times in bench press reps and these drills that they run are essentially meaningless to the game. But like you get you you get these kids who show out at the combine, and to me, that means that they're kind of built for the bright lights. And so it's not really the 40 time that I fall in love with. It's the fact that. You know, this no-name kid showed up to Indianapolis with 400 other people who might get drafted and showed out. And so, like, you know, this kid wants it. Like, this kid is, uh, you know, maybe somebody you should pay attention to. And that's that's kind of always what it's been for the Combine for me. It's not really the the raw athletic score and the other nerd shit you see going on. It's always the, this guy's a gamer, this guy's not a gamer. Yeah, and that's kind of me when I watch and I kind of look for that underdog that's going to show out, like you said. And, you know, he's going to open some eyes that, you know, weren't open before. Because I think the NFL puts way too much emphasis on the combine when they should be putting more emphasis on the game. That it, I do it, think the combine is great for <laughs> getting names out there that maybe yeah. you wouldn't go watch their game film. Yeah, for that very so reason the, that we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I've always taken the combine as of, like, people are drooling over this guy. I've never heard of him before. Let me go watch a couple, you know, reruns of... Uh, you know, whatever college they played for a couple of their games. And then, you know, I come to the decision of, like, I like this guy or I don't. Yep, I agree. Well, Drew, look, man, I know you're busy. I'm going to let you go. I just want to thank you for being on. Uh, I appreciate all your input here, folks. Uh, when you all listen to this, con- this podcast, 
remember to uh, listen to uh, Drew's podcast. That's Zone Thirty Two podcast. Yep. And on Twitter, he is at Drew Band. That's Drew B A N N E D. Uh, I've really enjoyed having you on. I've enjoyed our back and forth on Twitter, and hopefully have you on again, and we can talk a little more maybe after the draft and see where we're at there. Maybe, maybe we can. And celebrate. Man, we're gonna have to get you on an episode of Zone Thirty Two eventually. So yeah, man, yeah, just just reach out to me. Same thing like I did with you. Let me know. Uh, I'll let you know what works for you. Let me know what works for you. I'll be really happy to do it. Uh, hey, and, awesome. Thank so, you for having me. Yeah, thanks again, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night, buddy, and we'll talk to you soon. I will. Thanks, man. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, George.